Ben, over to you. Hello. Um, two really fantastic presentations there. So if I do pick up on a couple of the themes, I'll kind of uh, skip over them. Um, my name is Ben Worthy. I'm a lecturer in politics based at Birkbeck College, University of London. And before that, I was a researcher in freedom of information at the Constitution Unit at UCL. So I've spent the past 10 years researching the impact of freedom of information on the UK and elsewhere. And more recently, I've turned my attention to open data. Um, as Paul said, I'm also the independent reviewer of the UK government's commitments to open government under its national action plan. And my actual title is the Independent Reporting Mechanism, which kind of makes me sound like a computer. Um, for the last two years, I've been looking at the impact of the publication of all spending over £500 on English local government. So I'm going to talk about accountability and open data with a lot of references to local government. I'll try and stretch it out as I go along, but that'll be my primary focus. I think when you look at the UK, as was said earlier on this morning, actually one of the primary motives for open data, at least initially, was accountability. And it was a kind of negative hope that by releasing more data, you will never have another scandal like the MPs' expenses scandal of 2009. And when you go back and look at the discussions around open data, particularly in the early years, particularly what politicians said, what you find hidden among a lot of rhetoric is this sort of idealised form of what open data would do to accountability. Now, by publishing data in machine-readable form, it is hoped that open data would do a number of things. The first thing it would do, as lots of people have discussed, is allow the public to read, analyse, compare data on what public bodies are doing, and then use this to hold them to account. That's the most basic thing. The second thing that flows from it is that over the long term, they would lead to new developments, new mechanisms, new tools, new apps, that would kind of permanently lock in this ability to hold um, public bodies to account. And then the third thing, which actually a number of people have mentioned, which is often a little bit muted in this, is it also makes people change their behaviour by its very existence. Not whether people use it, but the anticipated reactions from knowing that spending will be published in the future could make officials and politicians change their behaviour. Probably the most idealised idea within this is the armchair auditor. This is the idea that the members of the public will look at this data themselves and use it to hold the local authority or the public body to account in their spare time. This army of armchair auditors that we've spoken about. I'll come back to that point. Looking across the evidence, what I found from my studies and other people, is that actually open data does bring about accountability, but it's a bit more complex and different from what the idealised version says. And here I think it kind of fits with uh, the work that Transparency International have been doing. And um, there's four reasons for this. So I'll skip through these four reasons for you, and then I'll turn on to, again, a more optimistic few reasons as to where we can go in the future. So the first reason is the data itself. Just as was said earlier, sometimes the data doesn't tell us enough. Here's Canterbury City Council's information on all its spending over £500. As you can see there, it is very basic and very raw, this information. Now, that's useful as a starting point, but as I think uh, people from Open Corporates know better than anybody, data needs to tell a story. It needs to have a narrative. You need to have background. You need to have context if you want to use it as a truly effective accountability mechanism. If you look at other um, 
other mechanisms of accountability through data. It's really important to distinguish between information that tells you about processes and information that tells you about impact. And, and different data tells you different things. The second issue is who is using all this data. Now, it's a bit of a mystery, and I've looked into it, and some other people, local government associates and others, have looked into it at local government level. And it seems that use of the raw data itself is rather low. Now, within that low number is all sorts of different people using it for different reasons. You've got businesses, you've got pressure groups, campaigners, you've got uh, the local media, and you've got a few members of the public. Now, some of these users do use it for accountability. The local media have run stories on staff costs, expensive phone calls, how much it costs to be buried in your local area if you can't pay for your funeral. You've got NGOs, there's a wonderful example in Barnet in London, where NGOs used open data to, uh, to initiate a judicial review of a local authority's contracting procedures. And the public also do sometimes use it for accountability, but it's often very micro-political, very kind of about their daily lives. So the point here is there is accountability, but it's not the kind of patterns that the idealised form has. It's not this wide mass of upwards pressure on all local authorities. What it is is sudden bursts of accountability in different areas for different reasons. And here comes the word of the day. Borrowing the, open, the Oxford Internet Institute study of e-petitions, the pattern is leapt to curtain, which is like an earthquake. A sudden burst of accountability followed by a lack of action and then another sudden burst. And that's a more reflective pattern. The third issue is, okay, so I found out that this piece of spending is really unusual. What do I do with it? And this goes back to the point about participatory mechanisms. And what, who do I give that to? Do I take it to the monitoring officer, who's the only person with the legal authority to see what each local council does? Do I give it to a council? Do I give it to my local newspaper? Do I publish it on my blog? Can I take that to the information commissioner if it is an FOI request? I don't know. And each of those things can have a different influence. And it fits into a wider discussion. We were, there was government commitments to introduce things like community budgeting and citizens' referenda that haven't yet happened, but they could flow into this. The fourth point is less about the data and more about what happens in our heads when we get data go into it. And this is an important point. Lots of the assumptions about open data and accountability are based on this rather simplistic model, a kind of rational choice economic model. We give you data X and you do behaviour Y. And as well you know, life is not that simple. Lots of research in psychology, sociology and politics show that actually how people take in information and how they then behave as a result is often more complex. The MPs' expenses is a great example. The MPs, a group of MPs were shown to be corrupt in May 2009. It was hoped that the general election the next year would be an anti-expenses election. And it didn't happen. And there's lots of reasons why it didn't happen. Firstly, the voting system itself is not necessarily conducive to that sort of accountability. Secondly, people were not shocked by the MPs' expenses. Actually, it didn't come as a revelation, it came as a confirmation. They thought they were corrupt, and here's the proof. And also, if you look at statistics about how many people know the names of their MP, you'll find that actually it works in a much more difficult way. There's some fascinating research about how people respond in local authority elections. People have an instinctive negativity bias. You always see what's wrong, you never praise people for what they've done right. Also, if you've given the mechanisms, you don't always use them even when they're presented. So, the picture of accountability is much more complex, I think, than some of the assumptions have. So, hope for the future. Firstly, 
the new apps and the new tools that are being developed at local government level. Hours of fun on openly local, developed by Chris Taggart, which allows you to cross-compare what local authorities do in up and down the country. App.gov, um, spend, spend Network, and also things like the local government associations, LG Inform. You can benchmark local authorities up and down the country according to whatever data you want. And if you look around at other apps, um, the DFIDs, the Department for International Development, Development Tracker, you can easily lose an afternoon seeing where money's going to and what parts of the world and for what. It's kind of like Nigel Farage's worst nightmare if you go there. Um, also, um, in the private sphere, you've got the new development, Who Controls It, which is about the beneficial ownership data, which can be easily traced to who owns what company. These, things, these applications do two things. Firstly, they make it very simple to find something else. Secondly, they supply the context and the background even more easily for doing that. Secondly, the other reason for hope is a shift in participatory mechanisms. If you think about this general election, how many applications are available all of a sudden? Yournextmp.com, democratic dashboard, vote for policies. There's a whole range of different things happening very suddenly. And once these start connecting and talking to each other, it could really change how you go about understanding uh, democracy. It does bring up problems of its own. Uh, there's an article on freedominfo.org about uh, FOI requests for the cameras now on most police officers' vests in America. Hours of difficulty with that one, because actually there's no law about whether that's covered by FOI or not, and it seems that different states are making up the law as they go along. The third issue, which I tried to research in my um, research book, but had a difficult time getting into, is what about the anticipated reactions? In my survey of local authorities, I asked, does anybody within your authority use this data? Not outside, but inside. And secondly, have people started behaving better as a result? And 8% of authorities said people within the organisation had actually used the data. Now that's not a lot, but I still think that's quite an interesting statistic. And it's very difficult to measure whether people are actually behaving themselves more. But um, at least uh, it's an area that I think needs more research. So, to conclude, accountability and open data do not work in the kind of idealised form that we get. It isn't just information X equals behaviour Y. It's punctuated, it's more unpredictable, it's more messy, and it's driven by all sorts of different motivations. I think one thing that we can perhaps think about, and I'll leave on a thought just like um, Professor Rose did, is we need to move away from these old economic rational choice ideas of information equals action. What we should imagine is the reality of accountability is going to be much more complex, much more messy, and it's going to be more like an interacting ecosystem of different things. Different people using different tools in different ways. Some will succeed, some will fail, some will feed back, some won't. It will be messy, it will be unpredictable, but I think it's a more realistic way of looking at how open data and accountability interact. Thank you. Thanks.